If you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd over Post on Fanboy Planet. You saw a post on Fanboy Planet? Uh, like, Was see, it a surprise? Literally, and from seven to four, I have been working just time enough for, as we say now, bio breaks. So you don't know what exactly we've been doing, uh, but it's it's biological. Uh, and and then at four o'clock, I, I I ran to the comic shop. I ran to my car and then drove to the comic shop. <laughs> get back. Um, but anyway, on Facebook, just saw that Kirby Crackle. Because they're inducting right. uh, Jack Kirby as a Disney legend on Friday morning. Kirby Crackle will be performing at uh, at uh, D23. Jack so Kirby I'm, is I, being a Disney legend by virtue of having acquired Marvel? Uh, Jack Kirby did not acquire Marvel, but Disney no, did, yes. No, DC having acquired Marvel. But but both, both uh, well, you know, I mean, here, here's the logic, right? So uh, both oh, Stanley and it. Jack Kirby are being inducted. Uh, as Disney legends, and uh, as is pointed out, it's like, well, at, at a certain point, who's making more money off of Kirby's uh, creations than Disney? True. Uh, True. So it's, Legendary and, money. Well, and as they say, you know, it, I hate to say it, but, you know, like in 20 years, they'll, nobody will realize Marvel was ever, there won't be people around that, they, that right. except for old right. men like us, thinking, oh, yeah, there was a time when Marvel wasn't Disney. Oh, it's like when I tell people that PowerPoint was acquired by Microsoft. You know, it was it was owned by it was another company that actually had, mm-hmm. had several years of software development behind them, and then Microsoft bought them. So it's like, yeah. So anyway, no one ever talks about that. No, no, shh. But it's the same thing. Jack Kirby has always worked for Disney. Uh, no, and yeah, so it's a, it's a cool honor. You know, D23, he gets a Disney legend. And then, uh, you know, the next weekend at Comic-Con, he gets the Bill Finger Award for writing excellence. So um, it, it's a good year for acknowledgement of Jack Kirby's work. And as I say always, it's like, man, I, I, just, I just wish he'd lived long enough to truly oh, see yeah. how you know, how right he was and how important he was to our culture. But, oh, and on that kind of a note, let's just say, hey, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com, and we are podcasting on Wednesday, July 5th. I hope everyone had a happy Independence Day. Still have all my fingers. (laughs) Oh, excellent. Yeah, I stayed far away from the fireworks. But, uh, and of course, uh, Across from me, not across from me, across the state, uh, going uh, up north, uh, engineering all of this from the Brett Cave. All the way up Highway 101, it's Rick Brett Snyder. I guess it is 101, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I take five. Oh, sure. five, 101, uh, Highway 1. Yeah, yeah, podcast producer extraordinaire. So, uh, yeah, that's, that, that is, uh, it is the day after, a, uh, it's a weird week. Uh, that it's like, this Wednesday is a Monday. 
and uh, it's hot. So, but on the other hand, the week's only three days. So, let us get to it. We've got some comics news, we got some movie news, we got some t- TV news, and and uh, we've all we've both got all ten fingers or eight fingers and two thumbs, if you prefer. Uh, before we get to comics, let's. Uh, there is a big thing uh, this week. Uh, I find it interesting because I, I think that a a, a movie that counters my top story uh, is about to open uh, this week, which would be Spider-Man Homecoming, and it will also um, figure in later in movie news. But The Hollywood Reporter ran this huge story, and I thought, well, it's worth talking about because we haven't talked about that many movies this summer, um, that box office is way down, and a lot of big tentpole movies are failing like crazy. And... Um, the blame is being associated with that, uh, that it's basically, they're calling it now sequel fatigue. Uh, that the only movies that are so, so far that have been, um, hits this summer are guardians of the galaxy volume two and wonder woman, which I think counter the argument that it's about sequel fatigue, but, uh, but they are saying, Oh, it's, you know, it's, uh, Hollywood reporters saying the common link is all these things were like uh, the umpteenth outing in a series Cars 3, Pirates of the Caribbean 5 uh, you know I I have to to. Transformers The Last Straw, no I think it was The Last Night was what it was called. I have to share Um, this with you because you know I'm sitting here in front of the computer and so I typed in I wanted to see this article so I typed in uh, summer movies failing or something like that and I came up with hits on 2015, 2016, and 2017. Same art, same, same title. Same stories. <laughs> yeah. But if they keep descending, and I think that's the concern, the big thing is that apparently even in China, the box office has been down. And that's just of U.S. films. You know, and I think the, the other thing, which they sort of are getting around to, is that maybe you can say... Um, that the other common theme is not where they are in a series, but that these movies weren't good. Like Cars Three was was okay. Uh, really, Pirates of the Caribbean oh. Five? Yeah, no, it was okay. It wasn't great, and not. And, and I don't know, honestly, aside from myself, I don't know an adult who liked Cars in the first place. I like the, the ex- first movie. The first movie. I like the first one. It was fun. The movie was the second one was terrible. The the, the, the first movie was about the conceit of them being alive cars, you know. But that only went through for one movie before you kind of go, "Oh, we've been here before." Well, so the gimmick got you through, right? Mm-hmm. Cars, but Cars Three pretends that Cars Two didn't happen. No acknowledgments of that. It's it's an, it's really a revisit to the first one, using uh, outtakes from Paul Newman's recordings. Uh, to bring his character back in in flashbacks, uh-huh. and and so you know it, it's it's not a bad it's not a bad movie in the way that say you know again that Cars two was uh, Pirates of the Caribbean five Dead Men Pay No Alimony is because <laughs> um, uh, you know this one uh, but was mediocre it wasn't bad uh, you know the Mummy wasn't bad it, you know and. But apparently, Transformers: The Last Night. I can't. I'm, I'm so glad that someone else went to see it so that I wouldn't have to. You know I, that 
that it's you've got a movie that's so aimed at kids that should be so aimed at kids and my son has absolutely no desire to see it because he was so burned by how bad age of extinction was and when you when you burn a 10 year old with giant transforming robots yeah you screwed up majorly you know they're still moving forward with a a bumblebee but you know i'll go go back is the thing is on the other hand guardians of the galaxy volume 2 was really good and wonder woman and was wonder really woman yeah good. and we're looking and forward to bet. go ahead no spider-man homecoming and i because of how good wonder woman is i might even be looking forward to justice league i'll be surprised uh, if valerian bombs i would be you know i think that's the real uh, there are two um there are two movies that i think are the um a, kind of the fulcrum here and and one is Valerian, and I think the other is Atomic Blonde. Uh-huh. Those are the tests. And now you've looked up a list of like what's coming. Uh, there are other things that you think can save 2017. Yeah, I, I, should we look at? I mean, I think it's good to keep these things in perspective. Like, it's not like a new thing that the summer blockbusters haven't been good because, like last year, there was Tarzan, there was uh, World of Warcraft, there was X Men Apocalypse. You know. Um, and I think there was a, uh, uh, a, a, um, a Lewis Carroll based story. Yeah. Uh, no, none of those movies existed. And yeah. that includes Tarzan because yeah. I still haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> but the, you know, that's a movie I wanted to. But, so, you know. so we still got, we still have some real treasures, uh, coming up. So like emoji, the movie. Uh, is coming up this season. I think when you say treasure, uh, I'm going to go right off the movie poster, and I, I've got their tagline for them. You can't polish a turd. Yes. Even if it's a turd emoji. Right. Uh, so. And we didn't mention the King Arthur movie that came out earlier, too. Oh, no, no. No one wants to talk about that. You know, but, you know, there's a, there's another thing that runs counter. It, it comes back down to the same thing, which is with so much great television, so much great oh, yeah. entertainment out there, um, and even television's down because people are, are viewing differently and they're consuming differently and, and, and smaller things. It has to be good. It has to be the kind of movie that gets people really wanting to go out. Like right now, I, the, the, a movie that uh, surprised people this last week was Baby Driver. Right. I was just, or, or Baby Driver. Uh, I don't know which word you want to emphasize. Ansel um, Elgort. Ansel Elgort, who should have been young Han Solo, but I'll get back to that. Right. Uh, you know, uh, in, in a movie that, you know, in hindsight, probably not all that, it, it's not all that original in its concept, but I sat there watching and going, this is like using a, almost like a, it's a movie for its own sake. It's fun. The, the music's propulsive. It's doing things that only filmed entertainment can do. Um, you know, I think you, you mentioned like it was suicide squad just a year ago and I walked out of the movie and said, that's the movie that the suicide squad trailer Uh promised where music and action is so perfectly synchronized. They complement each other. Right. And I didn't think that a full length film could do that. I thought, Oh, a three minute trailer. Sure. It can do it. You know, but this was, it was just, it was fun uh, there's some things that defy logic in it. Uh, did you see it? No, I haven't yet. Okay, so I, 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 I don't. But I, 
I will just say that there is a a cameo in there that I had no idea was coming, and I won't tell you who it is, so that you you know you'll have no idea who. But when it happens, you will squeak. Okay. And it's not anything you would expect. That's all. You know, it was just like I. It was so random. Such a good role. So beautifully done. It was fun. And then, and then, oh, that movie's doing better than anyone expected because so, one, it didn't cost as much. It's stylish. It's cool, and it still tells the story. So your thumbs up on Baby Driver. I'm absolutely thumbs right. up on Baby Driver, and I and. But you know, on the flip side, you go how much? What two hundred million dollars for Transformers the last night? Oh my god! Where yeah. you know, a, I I didn't go see it because Age of Extinction was so near incomprehensible. Yeah, and you know, it's just yet filled with people I liked, and as is the last night. I mean, you know, Anthony Hopkins. People get on. You know, these are actors. They have to. Why did Daniel Day Lewis quit acting? Because he realized that eventually he was going to have to be in a Transformers film, and he'd rather <laughs> give up everything that he loves uh, than face that fate. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's just... It's it's funny, though, because there are some actors who... I mean, I'm pretty sure that that sheen on The Rock is Teflon, because he's going to walk away from um, from Baywatch. No one's going to remember that movie. They're not going to hold it against him, because he's just going to jump in the next... Good rock movie, and well, because he's got Jumanji, which yeah. probably oh, is that the looks next good rock so movie. awesome. But you know, I, I I I don't know, but I think the thing is that he is he is liked, and no one's going to blame The Rock, or because yeah, I think he went back to being The Rock again, right? Uh, now he's maybe still Dwayne Johnson. Nobody's blaming him for Baywatch being a bad idea, because on the other hand, you look at it and go, well, Twenty One Jump Street worked well, yeah. And and, it, and it's like and that was one of those movies where I just felt like, did any of you actually watch Baywatch? You know, I, I mean, did you think there was something like, oh my god, they ruined There's so much unplumbed death? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. So I mean, <sighs> there are always bombs in the summer. You know, there are always you know p- films take chances. Some films don't take enough of a chance. But well, I, I think and that's what I think is I, I don't think they are taking enough of a chance of a chance. They're trying to restore like yeah. you know even say Pirates of the Caribbean five. Oh, what God. actually worked for me about it was that it restored what made the first one work that two, three, and four had lost, which is, you know, the understanding that some characters need to be in smaller doses. You know, Jack Sparrow should not be the lead. Jack right. Sparrow should be the guy who kind of stumbles through in the background. Uh, He's the doofus well, ex machina. It's there. That's a score of that. Uh, that, that. That might be... Um, that might be our title. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, it's usually me playing that role, but it's true. Uh, so uh, that's it. I mean, looking forward, like I said, this week, by the time this podcast is out, Spider-Man Homecoming will have opened up. Um, the reviews for that are great. Uh, you know, I'm going to see it tomorrow night, and uh, and we'll know. And it's going to come back up in, in uh, our regular movie news. So let's get to some of our comics news, shall we? Sure. Uh, and that is, uh, we, we have... I don't think sad news. I think what, what an intriguingly timed press release. Mile High Comics, you recall, uh, we're going to Comic Con. You know the huge, like huge, huge, huge seventy foot booth that sells uh, all this. Uh, you know, I'd actually been in their issues. store. 
they, what, uh, you were in Colorado, right? Or there was one in Anaheim. There was one in Anaheim that I walked from Disneyland to one afternoon. Yeah, I uh, I, I I went there. Uh, I say nineteen ninety four, yeah, ninety four or ninety five, and uh, that's uh, yeah, it was a cool shop. But they, but when we say Mile High, they're not there in Anaheim anymore. Right. It's all their Colorado, right? That's the Mile High business. part. And um, they announced today. I'm trying to think of, of the owner's name. I know I have it here somewhere. Um, <clears throat> that. Uh, Chuck Rosansky is president of Mile High Comics. Today released a statement on his website that uh, they're not going to be at Comic-Con this year. Two weeks before Comic-Con, um, knowing that he, and he's known for a year, that he wasn't going to be there. Yeah. But he maximally st- timed this. His reasons are sound. I don't blame him here. And yet are there reasons we haven't heard before? Um, well, there are complaints that I think we hear from a lot of people, and this is the reality as we talk about, uh, is that everything about the industry is changing. One of them is that, uh, well, this, okay, I just wanted to say, he went from, in 1973, uh, a one-table booth at Comic-Con was $40 for the weekend, for, the, I guess, three days then, because it hadn't expanded out to the... Yeah five-day extra extravaganza that is now for 70 foot feet of space last year he paid over uh no uh last year yeah it was over eighteen thousand dollars jesus wow and it was sixteen thousand five hundred the previous year but he so he said it wasn't the expense although my god that is insane although it's an incredibly it was always an incredibly huge boot um but uh, that his foot traffic was down because uh, you know people just aren't going to Comic Con to buy back issues anymore. This is you know the fire marshals uh, put a restriction on the badge holders allowed in the building at any given time, which I think is actually a good thing. Yeah. Um, you know it didn't hurt. He had far fewer people years ago uh, g- going through, but they were a crowd buying comics, and and now. Uh, he says, you know, the other thing that kills foot track is just like it's, you know, the offsite events are uh, are more than eight blocks all around the convention center. So there's so much more. He says, when you can see Game of Thrones, Pokemon, and hundreds of other exhibits across from the convention hall for free, why bother going into the hall? Yeah. So it's just kind of, yeah. He's not happy with Comic-Con management, so I don't think he's going to go back. At the same time as Comic-Con uh, has confirmed that they will be in San Diego through 2021. Um, but he is uh, offering, I'm just going to say, you know, throw it out there because I love that he's using this to go, by the way, uh, if you want to go to the online business, uh, there's a 30% off code word, which is vacation with an exclamation point. And uh, that discount code word applies to all 10 million of their back issue comics and magazines excluding only new issues, a few variants, and slab comics. So really, <laughs> things that nobody was going to come on to buy. Right. Anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, so I, I am sorry, because it was always fun, and I always bought a trade from them, at least one. But then, you know, that's the thing. is like, even I can say, I only bought, bought one. I don't. Yeah, I can't think that I've ever bought a single back issue at any of the... I mean, I, maybe I bought something that was like a novelty that I saw. 
but I've never gone there with my need list. My need list is very small by any anyway. So yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there are a few things like if I saw, um, no, I mean, I have all the Doc Savage comics. Uh, I can't, you know, I, I can't think there's anything that I didn't, that I would go like, I really need that back issue Yeah. when I'd rather have it in a trade paperback. Now. Yeah, I bought, you know, I, I bought plenty of trades there, I mean, but not, yeah. not back issues. It's the shift in the industry and the shift yeah. in the readership. And so speaking of that, let's, you know, talk about the event that Marvel announced, which is just, again, I, I don't know if it's brilliant, tone deaf, or just derivative. Uh, Marvel Legacy, the event coming in September in which you're going to have, by the way, not 52 books because that was DC. Uh Marvel's going to do better. They're going to have the new Wii 53 or Wii, it's 53, (laughs) uh, books coming out in launching in September, um, which it's kind of restoring the old legacy characters and they say leaving the new and I'm back to the same thing with the summer movies failing. You know what it boils down to? If you just do a good book that matters right. to people, they'll buy it. They'll find it. Because, you know, um, say one of the you know the top-selling titles right now, you know, Walking Dead, the new gateway drug is Saga. Um, Saga's never had to reboot. So right, right. You know, he, he doesn't relaunch with the number one. He, he skips, might occasionally he, announce he, he skipped we're going to take a couple months. He skipped you years. Know. He skipped ahead at one point, but that's not a reboot. In storyline, but that's yeah. not a reboot. That's right. you know, that's telling the story he wants to tell. Right. You want to do that and say like, oh, a year later in Spider Man, and then it's not, you know, I don't know. I mean, which I think Marvel's done. They've done everything. Yeah. And so you know, they're doing all these like collectible covers that are homages back to the old school. Are those supposed uh, to? Be, I've seen the animated gifs of those, right? Which I have on Family Planet, yeah. And are those supposed to be lenticular, or are they are they are they going to just be the the static version, of the new one? I think it's the static that they're the new one, and then the, they're just showing like, look what what comic it calls back to. Good, good. You know, um, yeah, because I'm tired. Of, I I don't want a lenticular cover. I no, hate to say it. But I don't want to pay another just, dollar for uh, you know half of a well, cover I already have. But that's what I mean. Is who who cared? Right. You know, I, I I I guess when you go back to something like Marvel Two and One, great, you know, I love that title when it was like a quarter or thirty five cents. I think that one was a thirty five center, yeah. you know, um, and and that was fun and it didn't necessarily mean anything. That was the other great thing. There might have been an internal continuity. I love those team up books because oh, yeah. it was always kind of like a weird internal continuity, but it didn't feel like it. Like I had to buy fifty two other books. It was like, oh, I got the thing and. Doc like Savage. The thing. thing in Doc Savage, which they can't reprint because they don't right, have the rights to Doc right. Savage. Um, if you go for a Marvel 2-in-1 Essential Edition, that issue is missing. Issue yeah. number 21 of Marvel 2-in-1. Um, and Spider-Man, uh, Giant Size Spider-Man Team-Up. Uh, I think number three was the one with Spider-Man and Doc Savage. And, um, you know, so, wow, that was extremely nerdy. Uh, they did yeah, Spider-Man so, and Conan. They did. There's also... I, you know, there's also a good what if of Conan too. A couple of what ifs. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, so they're they're doing this launch. We shall see. You can go to Fanboy Planet, and uh, I made sh- made sure I fixed the art that you can do. You can uh, you know open up the full large mosaic of all the covers, and they are cool. But again, I don't think that's going to bring in new no, readers. No, no, no. 
And, you know, I, I, I maybe it is that I, I'm getting older and crankier that I start doing this. Like, you know, at what point does Disney say, guys, you know, cut it down? They're selling more with children's books based on these characters. They're selling more stuffed animals than they are of any, and, you know. And the reason for that is the children's books go back to the iconic character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they're also accessible. Yeah. You know, you read a children's book it's got, or the young adult novels. And, you know, I, I'd be interested to see how those novels sell. You know, that they, they've, they've had a couple of Guardians of the Galaxy ones, a couple of Spy, new Spider-Man ones just came out. Um, and that they're in hardcover. But, you know, I, well, that's the other part of going back to the, you know, the the legacy of comics is the iconic character that you already know. And the storyline that you don't have to have read the previous seven issues plus the five issues of the spinoff plus something unrelated to understand, you know, it, they were good right. stories that stood on their own. Right, right. So maybe we'll uh, have something like that in our what's in the bag section. Um, and here's another one. Uh, I, I looked this up. The DC is um, – at Comic-Con, they're going to show the new animated film, Batman and Harley Quinn. Oh. And uh, DC is doing a prequel series, uh, five-issue digital first uh, prequel to Batman and Harley Quinn. And then in October, they're going to do a Harley Quinn and Batman sequel featuring short stories of them. Uh, but I want to say the digital prequel is Ty Templeton... Uh, doing, uh, writing the book, who had done the Batman animated adventures for comics for, for years. So he's great. And then Rick Burchett is doing the art, who had also done, uh, you know, so many of the Batman the animated series comics, which were great, you know, great books. And then in the summer of 2018, they're going to collect them all into trade paperback. Uh, so if you want it in print, it, you can do, you can get it that way. So, um, I'm kind of excited about it because the other thing I, I've, I think I failed to mention about this Batman and Harley Quinn movie is that it is a return to the Bruce Tim, Paul Dini versions of the characters. Oh, good, good. I'll be surprised if they don't. Uh, why not do something related to the Blu-ray release of it with the book there too? Yeah, well, I mean, that's essentially what they're doing it digital because they think it's not about Blu-ray release anymore. It's about digital release. So right, right, right. You can go and you so, get a good code there, and okay. Yeah. So the digital, when you said digital, you're talking about digital comics for the prequel yeah. and sequel, right? Yeah, okay. going to comicsology and, and, uh, and for the prequel and sequel, and then they will collect it all into one trade paperback, which will come out a year later. Right. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, and I, you know, again, there's another thing where I'd like to see the sales. It's how the sausage is made, but I want to know what they're selling in digital. Um, you don't have to tell me how much money they're making. I just want to see. Is like, is there a whole generation of readers that that's where they're going? Because you know, I'm tempted. Even on my, even on my cell phone, where it's harder for me to read because it's such so, so small print. Even when you, you know, move in on panel by panel, I'm really enjoying. Unfortunately, I think I think there is there is a a group of people who are doing that. Unfortunately, I think. Uh, it ends up being a combination of two. One is the black market, people who have, are getting scans. Um, and the other one is one of the reasons why Marvel stopped doing their uh, the same issue codes. People were trading them. People were yeah. selling the codes. So they yeah. take the code out of the book and they'd sell it for like, you know, 
50 cents a dollar to to recoup some of their costs on the comic well heaven knows i'm against that you know i mean it's uh but that's yeah i don't know how you avoid it because on the other hand how do you you know you get back issues that way you still trade you sell used you sell them at a a dollar you know i mean it, it, it it's it's hard to combat that's all i i totally see that that point um and yet, you know, I, I do think that, that uh, as I say, Ms. Marvel used to sell really well for Marvel. I don't know if it still does digitally. Um, so I wonder if, you know, these things uh, are selling well. I, yeah, I just don't know. Um, I'm going to move to a book that you uh, recommended a, a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm fine. I, I find it very hard to defend right now. I read the I read part of the first issue uh uh, courtesy of image they 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 sent me a pdf and i just didn't go back to it uh it, it's sometimes really hard especially it's interesting with with howard jaken his art is really hard to read with the watermarking uh, of you know like press copy right, know, right, right. <laughs> over it so um but we're talking about a book called divided states of america and they had to pull uh the cover for issue four which featured a lynching right on it, uh, and they replaced it with the cover for issue number six while he redraws something else for issue number six. Uh, I think you had mentioned that when you recommended the book that he thought this was the one that was going to get him arrested in America. That's what he said. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, he seems I, – I, I'll throw this out on the table. I've met him. I've interviewed him. I've had a couple of conversations with him. And he looms large, obviously, for both of us as a creator because of American Flag. But before that, you know, obviously Star Wars and Iron Wolf and, you know, really some seminal important books of the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, and certainly moving, you know, moved the, the visual language of comics forward quite a bit, particularly with American Flag. Um, but, man, is he not making it easy for himself? <laughs> That's all I can say. He's, you know, I, I, like I said, I, 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 on the one hand, stand on the side that you know we need to be able to talk about uh, where everything is going, and that that some, but I, I think that perhaps in, in his desire to shock and get, which his work has always had, I should say, it's always been, you know, I don't even know if it's even all that shocking anymore, um, but this to is... be edgy. Some of it could be put off to the, you know, could be left to backstory and untold. Some of this is, is is really hard to swallow, but I think he's telling a story that um, I'm not going too far out on, on a limb to say that he's projecting that the kind of the kind of um, breakdown of discord in this nation gets worse and worse. And um, it sure is not looking like it's getting better anytime soon. No, no. Somebody just recently asked me, did I think that, did I think that the, uh, the rhetoric in this country has gotten worse or, or the same? And I said, you know, I had a snarky, rude comment that I know would have been misinterpreted. So I held it back and I'm going to hold it back now. Um, I'm like Howard Jenkins saying, you want the punchline to this joke, find me at Comic-Con. Find me at But not at, yeah. not at D23 because I'm with my son. There's no way I'm going to say it. Um, but but the simple answer is I suspect uh, that this rhetoric has always been there. It's just easier for it to go further. 
And so its impact is greater than it ever was before. Yeah, I don't think we have to go too deep on the reasons for all that, but yeah, yeah. I, I think, we're all we're all culpable in that. Yeah. I'm not going to point to that. I know. think there's a level of comfort with the kind of vile things that may have been said in private being said in public now. And that's what I mean. That's and, yeah, and, it's and, easier. Those vile things were always being said, right? But and, we didn't find the people that said them didn't find the other people that were saying them right. too, and they couldn't. Yeah. You know, Let's move on. Yeah, let's. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina returns, speaking of vile things. No, it's a it's a fun book, but I gotta ask. It says chilling if they send the things like it's back again. In like four years, they've managed to do seven issues of a book that was really good and that people really like, but they can't build any momentum. So I, I I'm just gonna put it out there that the eighth issue came out today. And uh, I'm sure it is as good as uh, I'm, I'm hold, waiting because I'm in Los Angeles and uh, I know it's being held for me at Elusive Comics and Games. But, um, you know, so I, I didn't read it. But uh, I'm just frustrated that I don't remember what happened the, the, oh, yeah. in the last issue. No, I think I'm the frustrating thing for me about the Archie comics is the number of them that there are. And. And that's not new. I mean, Archie always had, like, all the variant uh, characters had their own books and had, you know, like you know, that. That that's not new. They've they've always had. But the idea that now um, we've got real divergent stories with with Afterlife and you know, oh, I when was the last time an issue of Afterlife with Archie came out? Right. But I, I what I'd like to see them do is just like. Go back to like the the old Archie comics were a lot of them were in like uh, Treasury editions, right? They're, they're they were not really Treasury, but they were like twenty five cent when books were twenty fifteen cents, right? Um, that were they were thick with a lot of different um, focuses in it, more like the stuff that uh, Dark Horse presents to us, right? So do an, do an Archie anthology that has all these different books in them and make it a little thicker and. You know, do, do an Archie horror book and do it every six months. Yeah. And, you know, the one good move they made was they did the one, the Jughead one shot where he was a werewolf. I think it was called The Hunger. Uh-huh. And, um, and it was designed as a one shot. It was bigger. It was, uh, you know, a done in one story. My son read it before I could say, no, I don't think you should. You know? <laughs> um, and he enjoyed it, but he said, like, oh, it was scary. It was, you know, um, and, you know, I'd say the same thing with Afterlife with Archie. You know you have the audience. You know who the audience is. Just release this graphic album. And I think that uh, because if you, can't, if you can't get it together to publish on a regular basis, then hold it until you have the story and do it. I, you know, I don't know if it's budget. I don't know if it's art. Um, I don't know if it's, if, if it's an overworked editor, a chief creative officer, who's running a television series, which is very successful uh, based on Archie. And at the same time, they are reviving the classic Archie look for, an, uh, for a new book coming out of that, too, uh, while doing Archie and Betty and Veronica and Reggie and me, which I, yeah, and Jughead. And they're all, they're all good, as we mentioned with Betty and Veronica. It's like, well, they're not for us, but they're good. And then I think about it, and it took them three year, you know, a year to get three issues of Betty and Veronica out. Because you went to Adam Hughes, who just uh, does beautiful work, but he's not 
he's not fast. Yeah. You know, and, and, and there's not a lot of money in comics, and these guys got to eat. I totally get that, too. Yeah. So, anyway, let's go on to what's in the bag. What's, uh, what's in your bag, Rick? Well, the first book in my bag is uh, from our friend, uh, Mr. Avalon. Um, Avaloni. Avaloni. I, we're, I'm going to eventually relearn. Well, it took me like five years of being friends with him to learn to pronounce it correctly. So, right. Yeah. So we've got uh, Ring of Fire. This is book four, which wraps the current storyline. It's been a very satisfying storyline. There's a bit of history in here. That, oh, we should mention of Doc Savage. Of Doc Savage. Sorry. Um, there, it's no secret if you've seen any of the covers what the bit of history is um, and the tie-in to um, to Doc and to Pat Savage. Uh, I found it a very satisfying. Uh, and I, don't, I don't know if you noticed current course. events today. I didn't. Yeah, apparently there's a photo that's shown up in the U.S. archives that indicates that a character in Ring of Fire um, may have been captured by the Japanese. Oh. And they have no record of where she was imprisoned or where she died, but uh, her navigator seems convincingly very much in the photo in 1938. And so they believe now that is the fate of why well, I don't know why I'm being coy. It's no secret she's in this right. of Amelia Earhart, right? But right. it's in the news today that uh, you know, and they say one of the reasons this photo was probably was likely classified is it had to have been taken by a spy, uh-huh. and the government did not want to compromise the spy, the identity of the spy during the yeah. yeah. So, so so anyway. Very satisfying book. If you're a Doc Savage fan, buy this. The art's uh, the art's really nice. The uh, it's a serviceable uh, um, representation of the period. Uh, you have all of Doc's uh, crew there. You get some of the more the lesser seen uh, toys, and uh, I I think that uh, this is going to be a good one to pick up and trade. All right. Cool. And then I will do a companion book to this. Uh, Dynamite also released today. Oh, you took my second book. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I can go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I can. I can. Which is Justice Incorporated, The Avenger, uh, Richard Henry Benson, one of my favorite characters who, for whatever reason, did not do as well in the pulps originally. Uh, Ron Goulart revived him uh, in the early 70s for Warner Books, uh, continuing the novel series. Well, they did the original and, novels first, and then Ron Yes, 24, and then he added, like, to 40, I think he got up to. Oh, I don't think he got that uh, high. I think he got into the maybe 30s. But they were very good. Yeah. They, they were fun, and I love the character. And he's one of those that's barely ever been done right by comics. But, you know, um, and this is what I want to say, you know, one of the things I love about Doc Savage, Ring of Fire, and I told David this last week, is is even if I didn't know him, I still stand by, that's one of the best, if not the best, comics interpretation of Doc Savage I've read. The only thing that tops it, and it's just because I, it was the right age to fill me with wonder, were those Marvel magazines. Not even the comics, because the comics were just the adaptations of, right, right. of, of the, the of four novels. But the but the stories in those the black, black and white, white magazines yeah. were so good. Yeah. Um, and Ring of Fire stands alongside that, if not above that. And so I'm looking forward to if they found the right guy to write Doc Savage, this guy, did they find Kyle Higgins, 
the right guy to write Justice Incorporated. Mark Wade took a crack at it. It wasn't bad. But um, with this, even though it's not the interior, I got one with the Tom Mandrake cover that essentially... I did too. That's... It's it's the Avenger. It's a it's, it's a callback to the to the book covers that we saw back in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. So it also points out the real problem you have with doing Richard ben, uh, Benson, um, the the Avenger, and that is representing him in comics, which they actually do a good job inside. But you have to realize his face is paralyzed, yeah. and any any shot where you see him and he's scowling. He would have to have sculpted his face into that scowl. Um, and that's yeah. supposed to be the creepy thing about him is his face doesn't show emotion. You know, he he, he can reform it to, as part of a Lon Chaney-esque um, disguise. Uh, but, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, I, th- I thought this book looks awesome. Yeah, the uh, version, I would say, is, uh, you know, I, I guess the thing that the, the face reminds me of is Remember that uh, Disney movie, The Scarecrow of Romney Marsh, also occasionally known as uh, Doctor Sin, alias the Scarecrow. Yeah, Patrick McGowan. Patrick Patrick McGowan, and and I, it's I would have nightmares uh, about him <laughs> because the mask didn't really move so right, much. He didn't right. smile, and that's what I can remember reading things about. Uh, you know, sequences with with the Avenger where it would be like you know how weird they, that like someone. T- jabbed him and supposedly tickled him and he laughed and he didn't smile right and they thought it was weird and i was like but that's the scarecrow that was exactly it's a it's always feeling like a fake face and so yeah move on to yours because I so so the one i picked up instead was uh i i i haven't uh read this one yet i it, it goes to the top of my stack it's batman 26 the second installment in the war of jokes and riddles, which uh, is looking to be for me, the Batman event of the year. I'm just, this is just looking so awesome. Uh, I, I like the representation they have of the Joker. I'm loving the representation. I've, I've never really been a big Riddler fan, um, but this Riddler is actually pretty cool. I mean, I remember when they tried to make the Riddler detective, who was competing yeah. with Batman. And this has some of that essence to it. And that almost worked for me. And this is really working for me. So, All right. All right. Uh, next on mine, it would be odd just because I'm intrigued by this. And I bought this because my son wanted it. Deathstroke Defiance. Uh, it's actually Deathstroke number 21, launching the Dark Titans. So it looks like it has the Wally West Kid Flash, um, that, or the sorry, the Black Kid Flash, the second Wally West. Uh, it looks like a version of Terra. It's Rose and Deathstroke, and they're all in black and white. Um, and so it's kind of it says first issue of a bold new era. Uh, my son saw an ad, said, "Dad, we got to check this out. It looks interesting." And I said, "I don't really like Deathstroke." And he said, "Well, I do." So um, <laughs> it's. Um, Kind of interesting to see him form a counter uh, a, a counter Titans. So I'm uh, I'm intrigued by this. If you've liked Deathstroke and if you've been playing, um, you know, Injustice Two, uh, you probably do. And uh, it's just uh, it looks interesting. And they and they use the JL uh, the famous Justice League International cover uh, to parody. So um, it's interesting and. 
Uh, I think we mentioned this before. Uh, DC is including the digital comics now. So yes. has a little code. Not there, in everything, so. but in a lot of them. This one does. Now, does it have a stamp on the front that says that it has this? Uh, yeah, there's a little blue box. Okay. So it's pre-digital comic. And it looks like, what's, what's the price on that one? Uh, this is three ninety nine. Okay. It's so like Bat- that, they're charging us three ninety nine. So Batman's two ninety nine. No sticker. No. No digital. Ah. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Uh, what's next in yours? So the last book I have is uh, it's from Image by Pablo Ramondi and Claus Jansen. Okay. It's the first issue of Sacred Creatures. Which uh, it kind of hits Ooh. on a number of points for me because it's a. I almost picked that up. It's a it's a, a college grad caught in the middle of a conspiracy where there's myth and reality colliding, and um, and a enemy. The Rick Bretschneider story. Yeah, an enemy dating back to the beginning of time. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's it's it really has like a Neil Gaiman feel to it for me. Um, the other thing about this is a four ninety nine book. But it's sixty six pages. Wow! So you get your four ninety nine worth, I'd say. Okay, yeah, that sounds like a, a value. I may pick that up if it's uh, so they want to get back home. Excellent. My last one, then, and we're going fast. That's nice. Uh, did you see? Uh, he can walk into any book with his pony pal Pokey too. Gumby, and the reason I picked up. I didn't see uh, Gumby. <laughs> Gumby number one is that uh, the main story. Uh, well, so there are actually a couple of good, good creators, but Kyle Baker oh. is uh, doing Gumby. So I got excited. So um, it's fun. Uh, Gumby's again one of those characters. I don't know that kids so much love Gumby these days. Or is it that their parents just have these really, really fond memories of Gumby? And, you have to. And, Gumby was always. Gumby was also always partial hallucination. You know, the the stories were. It are, is the, Yeah. Is that why Gumby was popular? I think so. College kids in the sixties just going, oh wow, man. Yeah. The yeah. Google the Groobles, the Groobies. I don't know what. Right. Right. Um, Blockheads. I remember that. Blah, 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 things blah, blah. Grubble, grubble, grubble. Yeah. So, um, hmm. interesting. All right. <laughs> Let's leave on a hallucinogenic note and go to movies and say, uh, you may have noted. I Back to the I shared to hallucination. S- the shared hallucination that is the Star Wars cinematic universe. Uh, the Star Wars expanded universe, I guess, now with the so-called young Han Solo. And I'm going to get back to my, ha- to my uh, baby driver review, which is that I really, I had never seen anything. I've never seen a movie with with Alden Ehrenreich, who is playing young Han Solo. Um, and until this week, last week, I had never seen a movie with Ansel Elgort, who is the lead in Baby Driver. But after watching Baby Driver, I'm absolutely convinced Ansel Elgort, who was allegedly one of the final five to play Han Solo, was the choice. And so I think they made the wrong choice. Because he has an air of mysteriousness to him, kind of underplaying the way that that Harrison Ford did, and yet he's got charisma, and he could be both good, bad in the same same scene. Um, 
and I think it's funny Edgar Wright dressed him in co- in a costume that that kind of echoes the uh, the look of the white shirt and vest. It's a jacket, but it looks like the white shirt and vest of, of Han Solo. So, um, as we predicted on our last podcast, Ron Howard is directing. As we predicted the last podcast, and the more I think about it, the more I think this movie shouldn't exist, but it's going to exist. So, uh, the reason it shouldn't exist is, as I think we've talked about, uh, is just that we're looking for backstory of a character who already had the arc into the character we like. Right. Uh, I think I mentioned a couple of, con- uh, maybe at, at Baycon this year, it's like, what would be a, a fascinating, uh, panel sometime is to discuss like how fictional characters endpoint became what everybody thinks or or you know that their reputations are so different from what they actually are like james bond being a certain way captain kirk being a certain way and i think han solo at a certain point too is like we all love the, the lovable rogue but that's not who he is at the beginning of a new hope it's harrison ford evolving him and so if you're going to have uh, you know, so that basically any young Han Solo movie, and dare I say, you cast a young guy because you wanted to move him up to the age of 35, right? right. To franchise it, um, you know, so there, if it does well, there'll be another. It, it's like it either has to be a one-note adventure or you're going to keep doing the same kind of character development over and over again, and you have to kind of reset because you can't have the – you can't have him be more evolved – than right than who oh, he is at the beginning we of the should home. we should definitely post the uh, posit this as a panel for um for not just for han solo but i think for any of the young blank blank heroes that, oh, that yeah, yeah. they've done for because i'm thinking you know why han solo and oddly enough indiana jones and sherlock holmes um you oh, know yeah. all uh, tarzan uh these are all you know they're all like an attempt to tell fresh stories or an attempt to plumb un, untold depths, you know, but, uh, and failures at some level on all of all of them. So, well, I mean, cause I think about it, you know, there's a long rumor that there's going to be a Boba Fett, a young Fett movie. And I'm like, I don't want character development of Boba Fett. No. What made me like Boba Fett as a character was he just seemed badass. He didn't know anything. It was the mystery. It's the mystery. I, I, what's wrong with just having, and I think this is the way Hollywood has changed and storytelling has changed right. in movies and television both, is what's wrong with just having an adventure with that guy? Right. And if you did a Han Solo, and I, I put on Fanboy Planet, if you did a Han Solo that was like Han Solo at Star's End or you know Han Solo's Revenge, and what was the, the, the last one? I can't remember. Um, you know, but the the Brian Daly trilogy. Right, I could go look on the there. shelf in the living room, but it's okay. It's not yeah. worth it. You know, the people can, you can buy it as a three in one now, and it's great. They're great, but there wasn't character development. It was an adventure with that character, and right. that's what we need to. You know, I think maybe when we talk about doing something fresh, maybe everything old is new again. Here's an idea. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just tell a good story involving a character, and don't worry so much about that. About that. Oh, but did he had? Did he learn something from? Right, him? right. Oh, this is why he does that later in the series. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. We, we, it's my problem with X Men Origins Wolverine, which is the here comes Santa Claus. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Santa Claus is coming to town. Of, of, of origin movies, it's like you know, it, like like you could hear the little kid say, "So that's how he got his leather jacket." Yeah, exactly, yeah, Susie. That's how he got his leather jacket. Right. You know, and <laughs> So, I mean, sometimes you just want to tell the story. I don't want the origin of the jacket. I don't want that. I just want the story. So we shall see. Um, 
that's all that anybody's talking about. Nobody's paying attention to The Last Jedi at all. Nobody's paying attention to Episode Nine. We're all like, is something going to happen to young, young Han Solo? So it's moving forward. It's going to happen. We had to follow it up. Uh, what else is moving forward? And I just want to give you a, a, a figure that puts things in strange perspective. What's happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which this week, uh, you know, gets Spider-Man officially. Well, it's not officially because he was already there in uh, Captain America Civil War, which Kevin Feige said is actually, you know, he counts it as this is the second of the Spider-Man movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because of Captain America Civil War that we're going into Spider-Man Homecoming and that Spider-Man Homecoming 2 and then he says, whatever we end up calling it. I know that's not that's not going to be the title. Uh, you know, it's Coming, like, home <laughs> Coming home again. Coming home again. It's like home alone. prom. Yeah. Um, winter formal. Uh, <laughs> well, that's not a bad title. Spider-Man winter formal. Uh, you heard it here first. Uh, is is going to be the fifth movie in Spider-Man's five movie arc in the Marvel Universe. But let me give you another number for perspective. He says the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this is true, up to Avengers Infinity War Part 2, whatever they call that, that will be the Marvel Cinematic Universe's 22-movie arc. There are 22 movies. I'm exhausted just thinking about that. <laughs> How do you... We've watched them, all of them, more than once. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> it's so stunning to think that. And basically, Homecoming 2, I'm sorry, well, let's just call it Winter Formal. Spider-Man Winter Formal is officially going to be the first movie in What Happens Next. The arc will close with Avengers Infinity War 2. You know, if if you you get your calculator out and you figure out, okay, if I see like half of those in imax and i see the rest and i see most of them i'm going to see twice in the theater you know we're talking 800 bucks not if you buy the box set and then just you know have it i'm I'm, we're talking well we're talking 800 bucks in box sets too yeah Uh, (laughs) a box set instead of be 1600 so it's really 1600 yes yeah yeah so yeah it's painful it's painful um so winter formal will start it, and uh, <laughs> we shall see. I, it's just, yeah, it's it's stunning to me, and the, it, to realize that. And then Sony's still talking about, you know, they're going to add Venom's going to be off to the side with Carnage, and uh, and then they're still talking about the Black Cat, and then we talk about that the Black Cat and, and Silver Sable, and you know, then at least it's for for somewhat free at home uh, are the television series that we're going to get, and I do want to talk about television because. Uh, a show that I don't know that you were waiting for the show version. We were hoping it was going to be the movie version. And I think we're about to, to differ in our opinions of it. Uh, last week, Marvel show, uh, dropped the trailer for the ABC series, the inhumans. Yeah. And I watched it and thought, boy, I wish that had been a movie. I watched because it. Movie I watched it. Have, and I forgot so that it was a TV series. I watched it. Oh, it, it was good enough. It was good enough for me as a early, early, trailer for a movie the only thing that i think we're going to agree on is well, no i said there are two things i think that maximus is going to be fine and the other thing is people are going to love uh 
Lockjaw. Oh yeah, Lockjaw is Lockjaw is and, like and, the and Lockjaw was the only thing that looked good to me. There was nothing, and I I suspect just because they haven't, I still believe they haven't dropped the money on the CG. There was nothing about Medusa; she barely appeared, but there was nothing about her that made me feel like she oh she has the living hair. Um, I kind of like their take on Karnak, but it also yes. looked and I'll tell you why it looked to me like a television series. And uh, and bothered me was that as soon as they could, they got Black Bolt out of costume. Yes, no. Put him on Earth. But and that that scene is right out of the Astonishing Adventures series with Black Bolt because he's on he's he's in New York. Astonishing Tales Astonishing, or Amazing Adventures? I think it's Amazing Adventures. Um, but he was it was the one that was with Black Widow. So in humans, in humans, winter uh, formal, right? So yes. he had lost Spring Fling. Okay, I think he okay. lost his memory, and he was in New York, and um, and it was is the awkwardness and the hunt for Black Bolt, and it was it was I I, I it was one still one of my favorite arcs in the Black in the, in the Inhumans, but um, I just love the fact that like he gets punched in the stomach and he makes just enough sound from the punch mm-hmm. to blow the car away, and yeah, that part looked like a TV show, series that looked like a TV show, but. The stuff when they were they were in the uh, they were in they still call it the blue uh, area of the moon. No, and aren't they in flight? Are they on the moon or are they in flight? They're on the moon. They they made okay. reference to to being on the moon. Okay, that they've been hiding there because that's the other thing that the TV it's series tilling, has to do is uh, now explain. Yeah, they have to explain why um, they didn't show up during any of the why Agents, Agents of, of Shield, Shield have been dealing with inhumans that look nothing like them. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so. that's I think that totally works for me. That's 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 not a lot of hand waving to keep it with the source material and still make it work with the stuff that deviated from it. So I'm actually really excited about this. You know, more well, than are you gonna buy are you gonna buy tickets to see it at the IMAX? I will. All right. Excellent. Uh so I, I think I will too, because I want to know. Um and and I have high hopes. I just or I shouldn't say I have high hopes. I have hopes. Any cynicism that I express here is just because I have to look askance because I really, right. I still have not finished Iron Fist, but I really didn't like Iron Fist, what I've seen. And it's the same creator. And I, uh, I don't think, I, I think it's a guy who's gotten the broad strokes of superheroes, but I, I don't think he gets it. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, the guy that did the, the Ghost Rider movies is, I think, or the first one and, and the, First Ghost Rider, the first Daredevil. He was clearly a fan, but but his fandom just couldn't translate. So I, I just have to be you know a little cynical, just a little bit. But Lockjaw is going to be awesome. Let me and make can... let me make one prediction. I predict that somebody, and I even have a scenario where this comes about. Um, April Fools, uh, Think Geek advertises a full size plush Lockjaw. And then it comes true. And then there's so many people who want it, it comes true. Could be. Could be. That would be expensive as hell, though. Oh, it sure would. Uh, but we'll find, you know, I'm sure we'll have more to say about it after D23 because I'm, I'm, I would say with great certainty there will be a panel at D23, if not Comic Con, talking about oh, Inhumans, yeah, yeah. Runaways, uh, Secret Warriors, Cloak and Dagger. Uh, you know, there's a lot of. Of new Marvel TV, coming it'll probably out. all be one panel. Oh, I'm sure it will be. But I'm saying that at D23, what I don't know yet is will they do a panel at Comic Con 
or is D23 this year scheduled to be scheduled purposely to be like we don't need Comic Con? What and do you What do you think? I don't think they need Comic Con. I don't think they need Comic Con either. Yeah. So, uh, which that means that there's more uh, there's more room to breathe at Comic Con. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, we we shall we shall see. Um, uh, Disney related that. Uh, will also be talked about at D23, I'm sure, is that they, they released Star Wars Forces of Destiny, little three-minute short cartoons uh, on the web starting this week, um, which are filling in the gaps, I, I think, so far, uh, focusing on the female heroes of Star Wars. And as uh, a friend of mine, uh, Sebastian Gordels, who used to work for Earth 2 Comics, uh, said, pointed out, it's like, it looks like the, little gold, the new little golden books that they do for uh, yeah. the Star Wars stories. Yeah. And the, the artwork matches. I'm like, you know, that's actually cool. Again, hi, Marvel and your legacy. Do something to get the, the young people into it. Draw them in. Do a family-friendly, safe little something. But it, And it goes back to you. The money's not in the comics. You know, I, I was excited to see this and the focus on the female characters who... You know, don't always get as much play yeah. in the stories. I, I'm a little the the filling in the gaps. We're really talking cracks in some cases, and we're talking we're not talking the kind of epic stories that everybody else gets to play with in Star Wars. So, yeah, kudos. It's always nice to have these little five minute, three minute stories and stuff. But I really, you know, they they did a good job with Rogue One. You know, they just need to continue it in the regular in the regular movies. Well, I'm looking at these as these are the little children's stories off yeah, the side. Yeah, yeah. These are these are the kids' books. No, I didn't want to but diss it. I didn't want to diss but it. But they're in what you know, no, no. But I, but and I get what you're saying. It's like it is again, and this is what my issue with like young Han Solo is: are these what's the best format to tell these? If you're afraid of gambling a bunch of money, and it's gonna you know it's gonna take a lot less time to get Daisy Ridley to come in and record a three minute cartoon than it is to sequester her in Tunisia and film, you know, uh, for, for months to make that, to make the movie. I'm impressed that Daisy Ridley showed up to do it and she's going to be the only one, you know, she's Ray. And I, I think that's cool. So, uh, I, I absolutely get your point, but I think, and I think that the thing with these franchises is, is as we've said before, this isn't for us. We're going to get satisfied by books, and we're going to get satisfied by movies. But for a new generation that is absorbing things on their devices and on YouTube, where, by the way, Disney is struggling to maintain their cable audience, but it's no accident. They've created a YouTube channel where there's an animated Guardians of the Galaxy series, and there's an animated Star Wars series now uh, that's going to come out in little pieces like this, which is better, you know, and be honest for the attention span of, of, of young people who want to move on to the next thing so they can get that three-minute chunk. And it's hard to tell. An epic story, you're right, I do see that point, but it's hard to tell that when people won't pay attention that long. So, um, and I'm not saying that's, oh, kids with their short attention spans. It takes time to develop that attention span. So, um, you know, they're gambling right now. And again, where does sea change? So we'll see. By the way, did you watch the end of Doctor Who? I did. Have you recovered? I I have. I it, I wasn't as surprised. Uh, I I had one person 
The only spoiler I heard. Can I say the spoiler I heard at this point? I think I think at this point you can. The only spoiler I heard was there's no regeneration, mm, and so that's that, not a spoiler. That 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 took um, some of the what's going on here away from me, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I wasn't that, but and I thought uh, the the connection back to was it the first episode of the season? Yeah. So yeah, the pilot. The 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 connection oh yeah, right, the pilot. Um the connection to the pilot was um serviceable, but it was kind of like even the tier the, it was like okay, you may think you gave us clues to what's going on here, but uh no. <laughs> it's, an, it's another panel. I hey listeners to the podcast and find us to your local sci fi conventions and we can have these kinds of panels. Because I want to oh, and maybe that's, you know, occasionally the episodes of the podcast should be this way. I'd like to get Drew Simchick in, who I will say now, I think that the uh, the Christmas special will be the last review that he uh, will write uh, for, for covering Doctor Who because he wanted to end with the with the Stephen Moffat era. Uh, and I've got somebody else lined up. I don't want to say who it is because he, he's still kind of like, uh, I think so. Neil okay. Um no, my gosh, no, no, it's it, it's it, it's not that. Okay. Uh, he's a very good writer and a big Doctor Who fan, but it's not someone that I think people will go, "Oh my God, you got him!" No offense, uh, you know. It, it, but I I asked because I thought oh, he's got a lot of really good opinions, but I would like to have him. <laughs> we should have a transition. We should have a regeneration episode from Drew to the new writer. Oh, very nice. And, yeah. <laughs> and what I'd like to talk about is the Stephen Moffat era of. The Doctor as not just a children's story, but a fairy tale. Like, the logic is so often, like, you have to go, yeah, okay, in a way that a kid wouldn't. They just go, oh, that's cool. But adults, we look at it and go, wait, really? You know, it's just kind of. Yeah. No, I I, I get what you're saying. With Matt Smith, it made more sense. With Peter Capaldi, I think we lost track because, say what you will, the plotting sometimes just was bizarre but my god can Stephen moffat write a monologue for peter capaldi to just kill you with yes, <laughs> you know? it's yes. like um and we're, capaldi we're like, for capaldi it comes off as if it's all off top of his head too it's like yes but his last confrontation with the master and missy was just like well that's it doctor who need not go on anymore because it's been summed up so beautifully. Yes. I'm sitting here holding back tears and going, yes, that's why I love this show. And you've summed it up and okay, it's over. That's it. I, you know, <laughs> it's right. like, right. it's so, it was so well crafted. And, uh, and then the promise of the Christmas special is like, Oh my God, that is so, that is so great. It's something I've been hoping would happen since adventures in space and time. And, and so, you know, I'm, they're going to go out with a bang where suddenly Capaldi's going to be my favorite, which is always, you know, each one has been my favorite until the next one. Yeah. And then I'm like, I don't want to see this era close. And so, you know, and my son and I had a discussion. It's like, why is he leaving? And I said, well, you know, because it's reality is now he's 62 yeah. and he can't do the action that the doctor became. 
You know, I, when it was William Hartnell, it was the one of the reasons for the companions is it was so somebody else could do it. Um, and then it's gotten, you know, it, it shifted. And, um, you know, Capaldi's already had to have knee surgery once. Um, I get it. He's going to have one final farewell at Comic-Con as the doctor uh, this this summer in two weeks. Um, and it's going to be, and you know, I just can't imagine there's going to be anything less than an insane farewell for him. We need to wrap up, but I just wanted a, a shout out to Nardal. Um, what an amazing character. And uh, yes. I've forgotten the actor's name. Uh, Matt Lucas. Little Britain. Matt Lucas. Uh, just just the, the sh- I mean, not even comic, just the sheer acting that he did in bringing that Brilliant. character to life. Brilliant wonderful. performance. Yeah. John Sim, Michelle Gomez brilliant i you know it, it, it was so satisfying in such a weird way uh and i agree to wrap up let's let's get out here with the countdown rick how long till the new game of thrones and that's the obsession for the oh geez i, I didn't have the number ready um damn it rick you had it's one like one out of 30 jobs <laughs> <laughs> the season seven uh game of thrones uh it doesn't matter because by the time we yeah. post it it, this number will be off. Uh, so uh, anyway, yeah, Game of Thrones is coming. Winter is coming, and yet it feels like summer. So hey, thanks everybody for listening. Rick is right, man. We we got to move on to the rest of our of our night. Uh, but of course, if if you've been catching us at your local uh, at whatever your favorite what are you podcast directory? What do you call it? Podcast catcher? Podcatcher. That's the new word I heard. There you go. Um, they're calling them podcatchers. So whatever your podcatcher is. Uh, and if they're not carrying Fanboy Planet, ask them to carry Fanboy Planet. The other thing is, of course, anything we've talked about on this podcast, if you'd like to purchase for yourself and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, then please use the handy-dandy Amazon link that is to the right of each and every page of the podcast uh, on fanboyplanet.com. Some of the things we've talked about also have articles attached at fanboyplanet.com. So please you know, check it out. And, uh, and, and there we go. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. And if you'd like to help uh, with the cost of supporting Fanboy Planet, uh, you can certainly use that email address, editor at fanboyplanet.com, to go to PayPal. And also, you know, I should mention ThinkGeek, our affiliate, they just released a new line of Star Wars snack bowls. This is a heavy Star Wars week. Uh, so if you need those to go with your tiki's, that's there on Fanboy Planet too. Uh, so hope you come back the next and listen to the next episode. And uh, I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And with just ten days to Game of Thrones, I'm Rick Brett Snyder, <laughs> reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only, only for, for good. good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.